0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another bald movie. This week, uh, Jim and I, for the first time in a long time, are able to do a first-run movie uh, because Spike Lee's new joint, The Five Bloods, debuted on Netflix just last Friday. It was supposed to have a limited theatrical run, uh, but COVID came, and uh, Spike took a look at... the. Uh, the, the disproportionate deaths that black folk are, are, are suffering in Corona and said, nope, we're just going to re- release it on Netflix. So we were able to finally get a first run movie. Um, it was, of course, written and directed by Spike Lee. Uh, credited writers also include Danny Bilson, Paul DeMeo, and Kevin Wilmont. It stars Delo- ah, Del Roy Lindo, uh, which you might recognize from Cider House Rules, Get Shorty, The Core. Uh, and he's also God. worked with Spike on Malcolm X, Crooklyn and Clockers. What's the one that you what did you recognize him for him?
1: Uh, the, we we're just talking a about this bunch of stuff. I mean, he's gone in 60 seconds. He's in that. Um,
0: yeah, he's the cop in that, I think.
1: Yeah. Uh, Congo, like he's in a bunch. of Yeah, shit Congo. From but the the we just on the,
0: the Australian disaster thing, we saw him get burnt up stepping outside the uh, core capsule and core.
1: Right. That's where everyone comes uh, from.
0: Yeah, yeah, his most famous role, of the core. Uh-huh. Uh, also, uh, the 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 uh, rounding out the five bloods is uh, Clark Peters, which you know, bald New fans will recognize as cool Lester Smooth from The Wire, and uh, also Treme. Norm Lewis, who I guess is theater famous. Um, you know, he's done a lot of like theater work. Not this is his first uh, feature film. Uh, he's also uh, notable for being the first black man to portray the Phantom in Phantom of the Opera on Broadway. Uh, Isaiah Whitlock Jr and shit we all know Clay Davis from The Wire right sure do we all we all know who we're talking about here uh and then the final five bloods uh Chadwick Boseman who of course played Jackie Robinson at 42 James Brown and get on up and of course the black panther um also Jonathan Majors plays the uh the son of uh, Delroy Lindo who who joins the five bloods on their pilgrimage back to Vietnam, and uh, a major antagonist, Jean Reno, uh, which uh, everybody knows from Leon, The Big Blue, Godzilla, Mission Impossible, Da Vinci Code, lots of stuff. Uh, Jim, to me, this felt like a mashup of like Apocalypse Now, the movie Three Kings, and Deliverance, kind of all kind of stewed in, in, uh, in, a, in a big uh, um, racial pot, and I really like the film. I think there the film does have some flaws and is a little messy, but I'm not even sure if that's not part of the creative decision making process. Um, well, what did you think before we get much further?
1: it's It's funny how many white people are in those movies you just mentioned because uh, <laughs> that's the thing that's important here, right? is the perspective um yeah. because I've seen movies. I've seen you know Apocalypse Now is one of like the classic Vietnam era war films. Uh, and I, I don't think I've ever seen this perspective, and I think that's you know why Spike Lee made this film is because they don't tell the stories. Hollywood does not tell the stories, and there's commentary in this film about Hollywood not telling the stories of the black right. soldiers, um, right? And their plight. So yeah, I'm I'm I was impressed by the perspective and the message and the acting, um, specifically. I think Goddamn Delroy uh, Lindo is. <sighs> fan fucking fantastic in this movie even though for the vast majority of this film he's kind of a reprehensible guy. Um, yeah, no. It, he's
0: very damaged. He's got a lot of fucking dings and the yeah. the whole
1: uh, in, the intellectual and emotional bodywork there. Yeah. Yeah, the, and those things manifest in in ways that I don't uh agree with, but you know, mm-hmm. um but it's a it's an outstanding performance as is everyone's here uh and I really Enjoyed the film though. I do find it a little bit messy, especially when it comes to like the editing. I think it, it's disjointed. It's it's mm-hmm. it, it's a Spike Lee disjoint. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it, yeah. It doesn't it doesn't feel as polished as a lot of films that I've seen, and especially not something like Apocalypse Now. Like that's a mm-hmm. masterclass in filmmaking. But uh, I think you know Spike Lee does this, and he did this with Black Klansman too. It's like he's got this powerful. Uh, resolution to the film, the powerful ending to really jolt the audience into awareness when they're sitting in the theater or in this case in their living rooms uh, watching his films.
0: Yeah. And he's got this like um, interesting thing that I don't know was there in his early filmmaking where he does a lot of um, like Quentin Tarantino style smash cut fourth wall breaks to like uh, stock film reference images to like punctuate when the five bloods are talking about some historic, you know, black military hero, Congressional Medal of Honor winner. Fuck, we don't know who that is. So like, bam, hit us, hit us with a, 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 a his, uh, you know, service record shot. And you know, like, if we're mentioning these black athletes, let's show them up on the podium. Like, they do a lot. He does a lot of um, these kind of inserts, like fourth wall breaking in universe inserts, to kind of like drive home some of these points. Um, and yeah, it is uh, like there's other thing I, I th- was worried about, like, um, like, and especially at the halfway point, I'm like, oh, man, like, I just know everything that's going to happen in the final like act and a half of this. Like he's l- telegraphed everything you've got, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 I, I, I don't want to say any more to spoil it, Um, although, like I said, the movie kind of spoils itself and every single time one of those things actually happened um i was like oh yeah here it comes but like 30 seconds into it i would forgotten because it's not the surprise of the thing that happens is not the point the the point is the men's reaction to what happens and their raw performance and emotion and i got even though i saw everything coming i got really emotionally affected two or three times in this film especially in the end um And and I that's why I'm saying like I wonder like if the messiness disjointed disorganized feel of the editing because like the film's technically proficient like fucking Spike Lee went and shot a war movie in the jungles of Vietnam yeah uh, you got the sun the 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 chopper in front of the sun shot he's
1: got like he's just really technically solid that, that archival footage feel that he does with the the old actors and the young Chad Chadwick I fucking it's love like, it.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I almost wonder, like, if that's a commentary on the war itself, which is kind of a disorganized, being pulled in m- many vi- different directions, kind of, you know, not not so much a cohesive plan, but just kind of improvise. And, oh, shit, what's the, oh, if Americans don't like this, we better start changing this. Oh, better have a massive... A-. I wonder if it was, like, uh, they deliberately assembled it to look that, the, to, to resemble the kind of psyche of the Vietnam War itself. Yeah. Um, but then again, Could maybe be. that's just a happy accident because uh, it did, it did. It, it looked like, um, you know, maybe it need like like you said, maybe it need a little bit of time and more time in the editing bay. But maybe he wanted something more raw. And
1: uh, yeah, he's definitely uh, experimenting with this stuff because, like, when I think back to Black Klansman, um
0: uh-huh. that had
1: some insert archival footage in there sure. uh, from like Charlottesville uh, protest, and mm-hmm. but that was used at the very end to really drive the mm-hmm. point home. Um, and there was some other stuff at the end of that too. But this is this is an interesting blend of like the the storytelling with the archival footage kind of mixed throughout the whole uh, movie you know it's it's not just coming in at the end to really hammer home the point though they do it at the end and they do it at the beginning but they also do it throughout um, and, and I feel like it was effective in that regard though I will say I think that that opening beginning is is better at creating a sense of 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 scale of of injustice and uh, brutality than it is at educating me Um, because everything Mm. is snapping by so fast that Mm -hmm. a a name here or there is not going to mean anything to me as an admittedly ignorant of of uh, black uh, struggles in America and in the Vietnam War uh, Mm. person that I am.
0: Yeah, but I mean, some of it just like the stuff that like you kind of absorb, like you know, they they have a couple stats, like you know, uh, the, um, they they do they have a framing where they have uh, Hanoi Hannah, which was the you know famous propagandist of the Vietnam War, um, you know, broadcasting uh, morale poison to our troops mm-hmm. uh, from from uh, the North Vietnamese perspective, and as I found the case in the Watchmen, which dealt with this phenomenon in World War One. Uh, you know, they, they mentioned like at stuff like, you know, uh, black GI, uh, you are 12% of the American population and yet you account for 38% of its fighting force. Uh, this is not like, uh, and they showed the effect it had on the black troops. Like this is like really, uh, this was really fucking effective because it was, it's propaganda happened to be true and, and hitting home. Uh, and I thought like that stuff was interesting. There's a lot of like commentary about, uh, black, black men and, and fathers and sons, um, there's also some commentary about like how racial injustice is very geographically um, contextual sure. because like you know, when you have black men um, fighting in a war and then you know after the war, you have them uh, intellectually fighting and throwing back names and stuff and having conflict and deciding who's the more oppressed. it's like really hard to argue with the you know person living in Vietnam that uh, hey, uh, you should cut me some slack because I'm a I'm a black American. I came to fight this war like 40 years ago.
1: Yeah, uh, and I deserve I deserve your gold because of it. Like, uh, maybe yeah. we should t- talk about the plot of this film. Um, because yeah, let, it me, is let me also me. you know it is a commentary on social injustice, but it is also yep. just a pretty good. Uh buddies going back to honor their fallen comrade and maybe score some gold in the process. It's an film. adventure
0: film, and like yeah. I, I the other thing that's interesting is like I was thinking as I was watching this, especially the early going, where it's very you know these old coots just getting together and having a good old time. um, I'm like thinking like, man, I've seen three dozen like white versions of this, uh-huh. like city slickers. Uh, grumpy Old Men, Space, Space, Space Cowboys, Cowboys yeah. The Bucket List, which, you know, they throw in more, you know, they start, to, they start to throw in. Oh, uh, well, that's Morgan
1: Freeman, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just <laughs> like, just like Apocalypse Now has uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, they have a black guy, you know, they're sure. represented. Um, But like, I can't, I don't think, you know, um, and I'm sure there's probably ones that exist, but I can't think of a single other movie where a bunch of like uh, 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 four old black guys get together and have an adventure
1: um yeah and you, you kind of need you, I, I don't know adventures um sort of imply some levity and some fun and there's not much in the black american experience that <laughs> no. is fun um, but
0: on the other hand like you know there that the, the, yet uh there's still joy and art to be had there and i think the first act of the movie gets like leads with that they do, um yeah. but but uh, here, let, let, let me let me break down action just in case you're kind of wondering, like, what this film is all about. So the titular Five Bloods are five black men who went to Vietnam serving in the First uh, Infantry. And uh, they were tasked by the command, I think it was a CIA operation. Um, their squad was assigned to go and recover um, some sensitive cargo from a downed military plane. Uh, and they landed, it was very hot, you know, they landed in the middle of a lot of hot action. Uh, one of their their, their leader, um, uh, Stormin Norman, uh, was killed in the action, and they buried him there and also found that the, uh, the goal of the operation was a chest of gold uh, intended to buy off um, some of the Vietnam people to support America. They buried both their fallen brother and the chest of gold and intended to return later to retrieve it. Uh, for themselves, uh, but the area was napalmed and all the uh, landmarks were removed, so that was all that they they were unable to to recover the gold. And now, like 40 years later there was a mudslide in the area, Um, the fin of the aircraft that they were supposed to recover the gold from has been exposed by satellite, and they've gotten wind of it, and they have a plan to all reunite the four surviving bloods to reunite in Vietnam and recover Storm and Norman, the body of Storm and Norman. That's the cover. Um, and also something that's very important to them. And also, go back and get those gold bars. Mm-hmm. Th- that's the first five minutes of the movie, and the rest of the movie, you have to watch to find out. Um I So let's talk about um, some of this stuff. I s- uh, Some of the archival stuff um, is really effective. Like, they opened up with uh, Muhammad Ali's speech about, you know, why would I go fight in Vietnam? It's not my war. You know, Vietnamese never done anything to me. Like, when I compare, like, what the white man has done to me at home. That's a pretty powerful backdrop. But they also have, like, a lot on the Vietnam side where they show, like, a lot of the different, like, casual atrocities. Like, I've seen that picture of the... Um, uh, the Arvin, uh, officer executing that Viet Cong right in the middle of the streets. I've seen it a million times. I did not know it was a video and like the video of this guy getting his brains blown at is fucking horrific. Mm. Um, and just like, you know, I've also seen the pictures of the children, you know, running naked from a village that's been napalmed and I got to see the video of that. That too is horrific. Um, just a lot of stuff that they hit you with that kind of like set the tone, you know like here is what the black uh soldier's experience was in vietnam here is what the vietnamese soldiers from both sides uh experience was in vietnam uh and they do that just really just really effortlessly as they're introducing us to the five bloods
1: yeah i i don't know the the intro to me was a little um too too quick i wasn't able to pick up on a lot of it um or at least i wasn't able to pull out as much as i felt like i should have been pulling out I, I just got a general sense of the thing. but
0: Yeah, and I might have a little bit of advantage because, like, I don't – honestly, I don't know a lot about the Vietnam War. My dad was uh, a naval corpsman, a Vietnam-era naval corpsman, but he didn't really see a lot of action. He got in at the very end of the war and served most of his time in hospital ships and uh, field hospitals. Hmm. Um, but I did uh, – you know, I've talked to him a little bit, and I've also just recently seen the Ken Burns, you know, kind of authoritative Vietnam War documentary – um, so a little of this, I, I had a little bit of the, you know, some of these. I had a little bit more Velcro for this stuff to stick onto. Yeah, I, I um, got none of that.
1: Like I, my yeah. my dad was also in the Vietnam War, but I don't know. Uh-huh. Uh, I haven't talked to him much about it, um, but I I know basically nothing about the Vietnam yeah. War other than it was largely perceived as uh, a folly um, by the time mm-hmm. it was over, and he, you know, throughout its entire history, essentially. Um, And now I guess I know a little bit more about uh, the black perspective on the Vietnam War. Um,
0: And I thought the way they introduced the five bloods, just like, again, it's like it was, you know, these five, these four guys getting together for drinks, you know, like uh, they're all kind of trickling in and catching back up and you know, they're just having conversation, they're talking about different stuff, and then there's an uncomfortable exchange with um, one of the beggar children. And that's another thing they the they, they effortlessly do, kind of like in the margins, the idea that like, the Vietnam War is not necessarily over for the Vietnamese, because children are still being maimed. People are still being killed and maimed by the landmines and unexplored ordinance that's, that's all throughout that country.
1: Um, I mean, it's but not have, over for anybody i mean if, if you look at like the relationship that paul has with his son david uh that's that's all tainted by this like yeah uh paul paul comes back a broken man essentially um yeah and you know the the ideals that he had are shattered and he that that just leaks into the next generation of kids right like right he, he's yeah. told him constantly like uh you know he doesn't mean that much to him um yeah and so that that kid's fucked up too,
0: and he came back from a war broken mentally, but also they suggest because Paul's got uh, you find out throughout the film that Paul's got cancer, and yeah. you know it's a fact that a lot of the chemical agents that the GIs were exposed to in Vietnam, I mean, you can it's it's a matter of VA record that there there's a lot of health risks that was associated in fighting that war, and I think you're we're also starting to see the same thing about the uh, various. Uh, um, Uh, adventures in the middle east where like you know exposure to depleted uranium and um you know like the 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 conditions and fighting wars and all that stuff uh can can really do murder to your body and your lungs and your nervous system um and they they have that but they they also show and i here's where i wasn't sure how i felt about it um i like the fact that one of the black guys was a maga a, 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 a trump and they had a funny thing where like uh the guy that plays Lester, um, um, Clark Peters, is like, oh, you're the one. And they smash cut to archival footage of Trump at a rally. And they fo- they photoshopped uh, Paul in there. And he's like, oh, yeah, you were the grinning dude in the front row. And then they smash cut right then to him clapping and cheering. Um, and they yeah. kind of like play a little bit of lip service to like why a black man might be very conservative in 2020. Um but then they kind of undercut it by just making him just so like damaged and insane that it kind of takes away from like, well, well I think can we just not take a black conservative seriously? Like, there's reasons. I mean, I, I don't necessarily agree with them, but they have a lot of them have valid and and well thought out reasons for being
1: conservative. Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to the the same reasons that. Uh, Poor white people in this country also have for following a dude like that, which is they just simply want to change. Um, things haven't been working for them yeah, so far, blo- and, 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 voting Democrat you know, for
0: fifty years and where it's got us, yeah,
1: yeah. What's the status quo doing for me? Um, that kind of stuff. So, and, man, I had a very awkward uh, lift ride one time with uh, a black driver who <laughs> was was conservative and was wondering mm-hmm. why I was not, um, and it was i know those people exist it was strange it was like this weird cognitive dissonance that i had in my head Mm -hmm. like i assume Mm -hmm. you would not be for this guy who is so clearly just a racist asshole Mm -hmm. if you were black but it exists it exists um yeah and i think like a lot of the a lot of the things that this movie is doing shows sort of the importance of brotherhood and i and you know, and especially what that means to the black community um as they fight mm-hmm. social injustice in America. I think it's important not to be a force divided. You know, it's a united we stand, divided we fall, that kind of thing. Um And you look at Paul's care Paul in this uh, movie and you see that he has allowed himself to become divided from and and a lot of these guys divided from the brotherhood that made them so strong under storm and norman right like and it's it's all guilt and shame that's that split them right Uh, right and that's driving itself as a wedge into the next generation and you see how like just this whole system crumbles when people start to mm -hmm. become divided Uh, and i think that's that's kind of the message that i got from the film and granted i am like I said, very ignorant on these topics. Um, mm-hmm. And so when I when I saw this, I saw these people who had been divided by their ideology, divided by their experiences, and were no longer in a position to fight, uh, to protest, to, to push back against any kind of injustice.
0: Yeah, there's a quote from, um, you know, a prominent uh, black civil rights activist, I can't remember their name, but it is along the paraphrase of like, you know, um, America... You know, America never been for me, but like I dream of the America to to be like, you know, kind of like that's and that, that's embro- embodied in the storm and Norman like he's this uh, almost prophetic figure that, like, teaches these men, like, you know, you, you get the idea that maybe he went to a historic black college, and uh, for whatever reason, he's very ar- ar- educated and articulate about all the different history and the civil rights struggle. And, you know, there's this uh, line about, like, you know, Norman also schooled us about, like, the anti-communist nonsense or the anti-socialist nonsense. And mm-hmm. um, and also, like, there's a scene where the the Bloods find out in Vietnam that the Mar- Martin Luther King's been killed. I think the proper the vietnam they probably found that from the vietnam propaganda that's uh, how they the, frame it the, in the viet cong yeah. propaganda yeah and like you know and and he kind of helps him turn that corner about like you know this rage and anger and like well what are you going to use it what are you going to do with it and mm-hmm. you know when they find this gold and they talk about like you know well we're just going to steal it i think that's even paul cuz paul's the one who's obsessed with like you know doesn't want to be like a neighborhood gangster doesn't want to be a chain snatcher doesn't want to be a, a yeah. backstabbing fiend and he's like the one's like oh we're just going to snatch this he's like no this is this is reparations for our people we're going to take this back and we're going to put it into our community um, but it, it, then that's like that's a war of his current ide- ideology because he's yeah. the one for, foremost of like fuck yeah I'm gonna this is reparations for me mm-hmm. this twenty million dollars is going to like yeah it's gonna it's gonna enrich my black ass you know rather than yeah, the like, community that
1: that's the thing it, it's like your your motivations can kind of turn in on themselves at some point um, yeah you know where like yeah he's 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 gonna get his um mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to be you know like the chain snatcher like you were talking about but mm-hmm. at the same time like that's not doing any favors to his community at large right like getting yours right. doesn't do anything to help your brother yeah i really
0: liked cuz i said there's a lot of interesting stuff and i think this is the most emotionally powerful stuff is the relationship um uh, paul has with his son um because you find that the, like if and you this i think one of the messy disjointed feelings of the film comes in that like these characters behave as if they know all the information because they do but we as an audience are puzzled like god damn why does paul hate his son so much this guy look at this guy he's very impressive he's gone to uh historic black college uh i think it's Morehead university which is spike lee's uh
1: more Morehouse, i think
0: Morehouse house right? uh, mm-hmm. is his alma mater mm-hmm. and you know like why would why would a man not be proud of this son um yeah. And you find out that, like, it's all comes back to, like, uh, it's like a Tywin Lannister situation. Uh, he His mother died in childbirth, and his father right. literally has never forgiven him for it. Um, plus, he started off, like, you know, like, maybe he's he crazy from the war. He found a woman that could kind of, like, heal parts of that psyche, and then she was taken from him by this son that he brought into the world um but there's yeah. still like i love the scene where you're introduced to him and he they film it spike lee films it as if this kid this 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 grown man he's 30 years old but he looks like he's a little boy sitting in front of these towering like figures of his father and his friends and all their accomplishments and he's just sitting here like small filmed from down low while his father's like you know lecturing him on this and that mm-hmm. But then, when they first get in the jungle, you see his dad like obsessively like spraying him down with bug spray, you know, uh-huh. like I don't want you to get bit, you know, put on this, uh, you know, you don't want to get the uh, fucking typhoid fever or whatever, you know, malaria or whatever, like so.
1: And, and that's you get the these story hits. of this movie, right? For Paul, it's it's that journey, it's that journey back yeah. from the brink, um, yeah, or or like that journey w- back into the Brotherhood
0: yeah yeah and he loves he 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 does bury it underneath everything, loves the son he find that out the very which I thought was emotionally powerful him you mm-hmm. know his son goes back and you know he's a school teacher and he's reading this letter um that Otis has given to him, and it explains all these things like I've loved you this whole time, I just didn't have the words and um I, I just thought that was. That was really powerful, but like how that kept on tugging back between like, yeah, I, I love you and I'm proud of you, and like, oh my god, you're not doing what I'm telling you to, and you're you're scaring me. Um, a lot of stuff that um, I remember. Uh, I, I like two years ago, I read that Tanahashi coats between the world and me, and he talks about like how angry his parents would get with him when he would do stupid kid stuff like out on the streets because to them, like they were hyper aware that like you're a black person in this world and it's going to, it's either living in the like East Baltimore. It's like, this is going to try, this world's going to try to kill you. Mm-hmm. If you do everything right, every time you step out of line, every time you act weak, every time you, you play the fool, every time you fuck up, it's another chance. Like a, a, the, the world is going to, to get you and, and, and kill you. And they, that, that fear manifests itself as this furious anger um, and I felt like that's the same way. Like, Paul yeah. was so fucking af- afraid uh, of what the world would do to his boy that, like, it came across as this ferocious, like, um, you know, like, relentless, like, you're never going to be good enough. You're never going to do things well enough. You're, ne- you're always going to be soft and weak. And I thought that was just really that tug and war between him wanting to love and be proud of his son and also that fear that, like, his son is going to be a sucker Mm-hmm. um his son's got to do something to get them all killed i thought that was just really powerful paul's a very frustrating character because most of the conflict stem in the movie stems from him just unable to be cool about something
1: yeah yeah um, like that chicken w- scene right like
0: yeah and that, that that's like a that's that, that's the thing it's like a like um god he that he serves a lot of the tension for the film because i was like you know what is going to be the fatal explosion Mm -hmm. and you know like things go real wrong when um they the the bloods get in a fight and one of the bloods starts slowly back like kind of like trying to like shame them all into brotherhood steps on a landmine and explodes Mm -hmm. and then these three white kids french kids that are, you know, from wealthy backgrounds, and they're essentially doing summer work dismantling landmines and, and, ex- and exploding ordnance that come across them because they hear the explosion. And Paul decides to just take him all hostage mm-hmm. and maybe he's going to kill him. Like, I don't think he even knows what he's going to do and how far he's going to go. But like, I kept on one. It's like, God damn, Paul, why don't you just keep to the fucking cover story? Yeah. Like they, it's not like gold bars are spilled everywhere. And they like, just say like, Hey, yeah, we're, we're here to recover our fallen brother. Here's his remains. And we're trying to get back to this. And now this has happened to like, he just goes to the most insane course of action. Um, And then everything that everything people try to do to like stop him or put him on rails is considered like this arch betrayal, yeah. Um, And then, but then I also get the idea that uh, his his, self—it's almost self-sacrifice at the end, like him going off in the gold into the and just running off into the woods with it. Like, what was his plan, like? At some subconscious level, was yeah. he not trying to split the enemy forces away from his brothers? Like he's like, I'm a dead. Essentially, I'm a dead man. Like I'm. You find out he's got cancer. Uh, he's probably going to die anyway. Like I felt like that was an act of self sacrifice. And then he finds himself with this vision he has of Storm and Norman at the end. But it, I don't but know.
1: It def- a it doesn't help him. Uh, and B, he never consciously gives voice to that. If if that's his intention, right? He like yeah. He says all the opposite things like, yeah. you know, fuck you guys are all backstabbers. My own son is a backstabber. It's the last thing he says yeah. to him like there's, yeah. you know, it's it's weird. Um, I, I keep it's interesting that you bring up like the the relationship between Paul and the rest of the group here, because I, I recently watched Dave Chappelle's eight eight forty six. Um, oh, yeah special I I don't even know what to call it it's not a comedy um <laughs> there's one joke there's one pussy joke in there but that's about it uh-huh. uh yeah. the rest of it is commentary on you know the uh the Floyd death um recently and the the aftermath of that and the protests but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know one of the things that comes out of that one of the most powerful things he says uh is that the the black community does not need me to speak for them they'll speak for themselves the streets will speak for themselves I trust you guys and that's the thing like I don't feel like Paul ever trusted any of these guys or they trusted him. And mm-hmm. and and maybe to lesser degrees, like, okay, uh, you know, Otis didn't trust Norm or something. Like, there's there's a lot of lack of trust here. And I feel like that's the thing that needs to be the baseline to bring the people together is that trust. Like, we all have each other's backs. And that's the thing that I felt for... Right up until the end of the movie, like where they're, you know, taking up defensive positions inside a temple, uh, I felt was lacking through most of it. It always felt like this could crumble at any moment because nobody was working together.
0: Yeah, and they can. Uh, they, they they do, they do come uh, together at the end. And I even thought, Paul, like, you, you're you right. He's muttering all this nonsense. And like you like he, he's he goes off on these like half thought out tirades throughout the movie. And when he finally goes off in his final one goes off in the jungle, like he starts like saying a bunch of crazy shit. But like as the monologue goes, like like there's a point where like the camera rotates into his face and he stops just like general, like just like shouting at the world and starts like giving this like searing monologue into the camera. And he yeah. starts making a lot of fucking sense. Mm-hmm. And I got the idea. It's like, you know, like where did this lack of trust come from? I don't think he trusts himself because he blames himself for killing. Yeah, no, you're the right. The group's spiritual core and yeah. he couldn't and he couldn't trust his brothers with that secret cuz if he had come clean that day it's like oh my god this viet cong ambushed us i turned around and like sprayed and i got norman and i got norman the guts like they all would have told him they all would have absolved him of that but oh, yeah. shit happens in war it's not your fault it's like it's of anything it's the people in washington's fault for for having us out there um in you know poking our nose in this business but he didn't trust himself, didn't trust his brothers, and that, you know, like the cancer that's building up in his body felt like it was building up in his mind. But you contrast that with like um, uh, uh, Clay Davis, I can't remember his uh, his uh, Isaiah Whitlock's character. Hmm. Um, you know, several times he's like, I ain't gonna, you know, he's like, he refuses to bend over to to pick up the gold. Uh-huh. He refuses to dig because he's got the, like, and he, he explicitly says in the halfway point of the film, like, they're talking about like, oh, remember that one guy that jumped on a gate? and goes, like, I ain't ever going to do that for any of you. I ain't going to do it. But like at the end of the movie, he does without even thinking. He just yeah. jumps and eats that grenade. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is like something like this. No matter how fractured a community or a, a group of individuals can get, like when the shit is down, you do dig deep and you can you can find that. And like I said, I, I do think that like i don't know like there's definitely a lot of paul just being half cock crazy person just like wandering off with the gold but also there's also a little bit of i think sacrifice there because there was no there there was no end game to that it mm. was just you know uh just just the divide the forces to give his brothers a, a, a fighting chance i think um hmm. and my okay. my god he got fucking ventilated
1: yeah he did uh
0: that's as bad as an execution that I've seen since like Sunny at the toll booth, man.
1: I mean, they're they're out in the jungle. You got five guys with machine guns. I couldn't help but think like he's digging he's his own predator. grave.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. out in the
1: woods, and they're just blasting away, man.
0: Yeah, man. It was uh, that is was, was fucking fucking intense. A lot of the action, mm-hmm. um, and then I think that again is like a little bit Vietnam. Like you know, you always say that you hear always hear this about war. It's like war is like these long and terminal. uh uh, stretches of boredom that's um punctuated by intense brief flashes of just sheer terror mm. and that's how like all of the action scenes such as they are in this felt like like everything's panic nothing you know um but also like the fact that like these guys you could tell these guys actually were soldiers you know mm-hmm. um when when they finally do get guns in their hands you know they're shouldering they're aiming they're they're firing effectively and it felt like even though these guys are old guys I felt like, yeah, that's about how this would go. Um, yeah. I just really, I, yeah. I think it also helped. I, I really love the technique of having the old guys fighting with the young, you know, Chad Boswick, um,
1: <laughs> that's oh, Boseman. Not his name, Chadwick,
0: yeah. Chadwick Bosman. God damn it! <laughs> uh, speaking of fractured mental states. Um, <laughs> I really like that creative choice to have just the old ass dudes um, with the young guy who died back there. And then at the end... Cause I'm like, I wonder if this was like a budget decision or something like that. But then at the end, they do the like thing you think expect them to do, like they de-age everybody to show them in the the you know how they actually looked in their prime. Uh, but I thought that actually sold them as warriors when they ha- when they had to fight like in the 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 desperate gun battles at the end of the film.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised I haven't seen this in other movies that do flashbacks. Um, yeah, it's it's used to really good effect here because it shows that you know they've never left this place. Um it, It's been with them for the last forty years, and and I think. When I first saw what they were doing here, I didn't realize what it was. And so I saw them and I'm like, man, they just did a piss poor job of de-aging these people. They didn't even take the gray out of their beards. What are they doing? <laughs> and then the second time they do it, I'm like, okay, okay. Because uh-huh. the first time is like just a quick shot of them in a helicopter, like an apocalypse now kind of flight of the Valkyries moment. Um, mm-hmm. But it's real quick. And so I thought, well, maybe they did something here. Mm-hmm. And then, it, yeah, it turns out I just wasn't getting the point until the second time around.
0: And I was, I, when I was, I was thinking about them, I was watching and I was thinking, you know, that actually is how I remember my youth. Like, when I think about, like, things that happened to me as a teenager and a young man, I never think of it like, I always think of, like, my present body and self in those images. Do you? Do you, do you like, when you think about, like, when, th- when you were 13, do you think of, like, what you looked like and... Dressed like as a 13 year old it's always me a 43 yeah. year old man in the 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 40 the, the 13 year old memory insert it's it's weird and i, think I felt I do like too. Yeah i think like that's just how people process that shit it's always you yeah. your current point of view um um which is also i think a why, why a lot of people get stuck in those like you know burn themselves on hot memory stoves because you take what you would do now with all the knowledge and wisdom with what you did when you were eight or nine or 13 is like jesus christ what yeah. a fucking shit show or i 25. was 25 <laughs> yeah yeah um i i just i thought it was a really powerful it's it, first of all it was funny kind of like a like a comedic technique but then it get more and more poignant as they kept doing it throughout the movie
1: yeah um, so and yeah, then I, I got what they were doing there but there's there's something i'm not sure what they're trying to get at um hmm. and it's the opioid stuff um so otis is hmm. taking oxycontin And Mm -hmm. he claims that he's not addicted to it, which it seems like he's not, uh, given, you know, how easily he dumps it out and then doesn't need it for the rest of the movie, essentially. What are they trying to do? Are they trying to tie opioid epidemic somehow to black oppression? Because I I didn't understand why that was even in a, a part of the film. I think
0: it's like, isn't this like Golden Triangle stuff? like it, it just it goes like and it wasn't that like part of the big heroin trade like it you know the stuff like in american gangsters smuggled back on vietnam I, I think it's almost like a, a circle of life kind of thing war never ends like huh. you know like uh, the vietnam war was a major vector for trafficking drugs in the united states and now these old vietnam vets are all you know taking opioids because of their chronic pain or whatnot and you know uh that's
1: sort of an irony to that I, I, I
0: think there was a little bit of 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 that you're supposed to understand uh but i i thought it was what I, I thought that's too it's like when he poured those out i'm like jesus christ when your hips starts acting up you're going to want that and yeah. it's also played off as a laugh when um uh uh, uh 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 isaiah whitlock's character reveals that he's had a thing of oxycontin the whole time for his back pain yeah yeah. Uh, and his, uh, let, let's let's Otis have it at the at, at towards the end
1: of the movie. Yeah, I felt bad uh, for Otis the whole time. <laughs> like once he dumped that oxy, and he's got to hike. I don't know how many miles with how many pounds of gold. Oh on my his back. god,
0: they they had to have been carrying like hundred pounds a piece. Yeah, at least yeah, if not more.
1: A lot of gold.
0: I mean, if uh, I was I, a couple times in the movie, I was thinking like, man, if if uh, Paul's kid didn't show up. <laughs> yeah another 40 50 pounds of gold on these guys might have broken some, broken some joints and stuff mm-hmm. uh because otis was in bad shape in that lat in that 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 final stretch yeah. um but i thought there's also uh you know we, we 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 mentioned this but like there's a there's a really key scene where the five bloods are trying to essentially haggle over gold but the currency is who's faced the most atrocities and oppression, mm-hmm. and they're squaring off against these Vietnamese people, and the Vietnamese are like, uh, "Okay, well, this is our gold. So thanks for digging up. Here's one bolt bar to pay for it." And then, like Paul's perspective is, you know, we came over here and the and didn't, you know, in a country that wasn't ours, and we fought for rights that we didn't enjoy, and the Vietnamese are like, "Not persuasive. Don't give a fuck." But there's also this other thing where uh, Otis finds out he has his daughter with his old Vietnam Vietnamese lover that the- he had to abandon at the conclusion of the war, mm-hmm. and she makes it a point to where. Like, Amer- it's w- this weird thing where, like, America imported all this racism to Vietnamese. Like, they... Like, she makes a point. And it's like, you know, we didn't know the N-word. We didn't know all these slurs until you guys came here. Mm. And now, when my daughter was born and she's half black, everyone knew exactly what she was and what to call her. Yeah. And... But on the other hand, the average Vietnamese doesn't give a shit about the plight of black Americans because why the fuck would they? Sure. You know,
1: they've got, got, their, got their own, own
0: problems. problems. They've got their own history of oppression, colonization... Uh, you know, Jean Reno, uh, Renault is there, I think, to represent kind of like the nefarious French uh, influence. The fact that Vietnamese was a French colony. And that's kind of how America got into the war. Uh, you know, like the our French allies. Like, hey, we got this uh, communist deal. You guys seem to know what you're doing in Korea. Can you help us out? And, you know, would the, that's that's how we got into the war of Vietnam. Um, yeah, I don't know any, but yeah, anything about that. It, like, every, That's what I'm saying. Like the... Like, racism is, like, a context, very contextual thing, you know? Sure. Um, like, what it means to be black in America is completely different than what it would mean to be black in Vietnam or black in China or, you know,
1: black in Sudan, you know? Um, sure. And uh, oppression is a contextual thing, too. It's like... Sure. <laughs> how do you... When you got your own problems to deal with, your own struggles, um, how do you step in and help someone out with, their own struggles. Uh, Mm. You know, can you shoulder that burden? It's, it's like the extra 40 or 50 pounds on of gold on the back that might break you. Like, Mm. I don't know. I don't know. We, we, we definitely struggle with that in America. Like the, the black people in America, since the time immemorial, the very beginning Mm -hmm. have been oppressed, have been exploited and abused. And we've got a vast majority population of white people here who have not really, Stepped up to help them out with that burden. In fact, that made it worse. Um, I like to think that's changing now. Um, mm-hmm. And we're, we're on a path toward coming together um, as a nation, as one people, not as segregated people, and starting to work together to fix those problems. But goddamn, how many hundreds of years do we have to wait to get that done?
0: I don't know. Because the other thing is um, every single time we have a minor victory, um, it's like the idea is like, okay, we're done now. We've done it. Um, and like yeah. that. And then you go back
1: to your own struggles. Right. Like,
0: right, right. Um, and that's you know, there's a point I made in one of my three right turns podcasts that Like it's, um, you know, this has been written in medical journals where these attitudes are starting to uh, imperil white lives. Like the fact that like uh, poor white people, uh, vote against entitlement programs and things like universal health care because they don't want the lazy black and Mexican people to have it and Jesus. they need it. They're dying of their own cancers mm-hmm. and their own uh, shitty drinking water and their own like fucking poor diet uh, and environment that they are living on because they can't conceive of, you know. This is yeah. It's it's yeah, it's, it's like it's, kill, it's killing white about. people. This this racism kills white people as 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 uh you know with with increasing numbers as, as as everybody else. Um, but I I thought that stuff was really cool and the idea like um that they mentioned that the war is never over for people. Like there's um this character Tien, who's their guide uh, and it ends up becoming essentially a six blood by the end. And you know there's the, they make this point in the very beginning of the movie. It's like you know you guys came over and fought this war, but this war, uh, you know, split families up. This was a civil war in Vietnam. And, you know, like Paul had a, a, a uncomfortable, didn't want to salute these, uh, old Viet Cong soldiers. They're essentially Vietnamese equivalents. Um, and the guide points out, well, that's, that's like my cousin and my uncle. Hmm. And they're like, I thought you were South Vietnamese. It's like, what you don't understand. Like this, this, you know, we were one country and we were split, split down the middle, uh, over these ideological lines. I thought that was that and the fact that like you still got again, it blows my mind that these landmines and unexploded ordinances are still killing are still orphaning children and still maiming them in in, you know, 2020. Yeah, how is years it later? How is it that I we can't build a washing machine that lasts five years, but we can bury a landmine in the ground for 60 years in the fucking jungle yeah. and it still is capable of blowing people's limbs off? Like, can we not engineer a washing machine with that kind of tenacity? We can, Can but then we have to buy
1: one every two years.
0: Were landmines expensive? Like, I also feel like they're they're, not—they didn't cost fifty grand a piece either. They're probably something you could stand. I mean, it's just—I don't know—it's so much easier to destroy than create, I suppose, as the the old, you know, Star Trek adage that you could apply to that. Well, I Um, I guess
1: the 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 positive of all this is that as more white people are affected by racism adversely, we'll yeah, all start to get come fixed. together, right? There, there's going to be this weird inversion of like where racism starts to affect the people who are racist. And so they can't afford to be racist anymore. Yeah. Uh, and they have to join up with all of the people that they've been hating for so long to get some, some sense of equality and, and uh, normality for themselves. Yeah, that's gonna be the big be. positive here is that racism will defeat itself right
0: yeah yeah because like you know the um it's funny because i've been listening to a lot of the new run the jewels uh album yeah. and lp the the white guy uh part of the group he's got this verse where he says uh, the thing about funny thing about cages they're not built for just one group uh when they're done with that and you're still poor they'll next come for you yeah and i think people will realize that that like, you know, like I think this like um, part of the big change about how people feel about police brutality in the last few weeks is like these protests. um, And there's so much caught on film. Very obviously a lot of violence is coming from the police and it's a like, you know, when a police officer, pushes down a 75-year-old man for just coming up to speak to him. To, to, like Maybe his angry words, maybe he's going to jam a finger into his chest, but completely unarmed. And a 75-year-old man, and these these officers shove him down, smash his head, and give him brain, a, a traumatic brain injury. Um, and then the unit that is, re- like, you know, when they try to hold these uh, officers accountable, the whole unit resigns in mass. Like, shit, if they'll kill an old gra- white grandpa... They'll for sure kill any of you. Like like a lot of poor white people got to be thinking like Jesus Christ, that could be me. And they've got experiences with uh, being over overpoliced in their own communities. So it's like yeah, like these systemic things that are like you know are built on these unconscious biases. Once you build them, they're they 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 they're um there's something in search of a mission, and if they run out right. the black people to oppress, they'll slide on down the next s- segment of society. Um, and they'll keep doing yeah. that until until you know we're all fucking in the cage
1: uh i don't think i have a ton more to say about this but i I did want to acknowledge like there's probably gonna be some award nominations i would think for some of the performances in this film um if not the film itself although i think there might be for that as well yeah i
0: wouldn't be surprised if you see picture and director noms for for, yeah uh, yeah. spike in this film But
1: but man how do you how do you not get uh delroy lindo as as best i mean he's the lead right
0: Yeah, um, he definitely has the most meat to work with, the most pathos to work with. And um, and then I think in the final act, he's also became sympathetic and really connected with me as an audience member. And some of that stuff he did, like that monologue he's doing as he's stomping through um, the the jungle on location, I think was technically hard. Like he's, you know, he's ripping off four Mm -hmm. or five minute long monologues as he's uh, macheting his, his way through the jungle um, and you know, it's this this physical performance of like digging its own grave, uh, surrounded by these Vietnamese men, like there, yeah, it's it's real good. It's really strong, powerful work. Um, and I I think actually all of the 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 Bloods did really good work, but like I yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see like Clark Peters mentioned for a supporting role. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, like uh, he had the stuff with the Bloods, but he also had the, some really nice moments with his Vietnamese uh, family. You know, discovering the fact he's got a daughter, and you know that was one of the more emotional parts of the the resolution of the movie, them kind of reuniting. Uh, I don't know what do you, what do you, what do you think about the the the
1: chances? Uh, I think they're good. I, I was actually wondering if this movie would even be eligible because the uh, for for Oscars specifically, because there was um, initial plans to release it in theaters like all of Roma. Um, mm-hmm. which was released in theaters just to get uh, eligibility and the awards. Uh, because there is like a, year. there's a
0: particular rule for Oscars, right? That you, you can't just have a Netflix premiere. You have no, to it actually
1: has to be released in at least one theater in LA County, which it <laughs> seems very uh, Hollywood centric, but I guess, you know, yeah. you do what you do yeah. um, in the industry. Uh, but yeah, there, there were some rules about uh, theatrical releases that needed to happen. Um, so this movie was planned to be released in theaters, but as we all know, the virus shut everything down. COVID mm-hmm. uh, or mm-hmm. coronavirus shut everything down. So I, I had to go looking to see if this movie was even going to be eligible for Oscars, and it turns out, mm-hmm. I think it is. Um, I looked at the the eligibility requirements for the ninety third Oscars uh, Academy Awards, and apparently they're they're waiving some of the release uh, requirements because of the coronavirus so i do think this is going to be eligible for awards which is nice even though it didn't release in theaters because of the shutdown
0: yeah um the thing's going i guess against it is is very early in the season um sometimes yeah you know things that make a big splash in the beginning of the year get overshadowed later on in like the true kind of oscar season but uh on the other hand um like you know like i said you can say it's disjointed a little messy uh but it is very powerful and the performances are no joke so uh i think it's i think it's got a lot going for it and also it's like just you know you couldn't i'd say you can't you can't pick a better time to release something like this but like you know something i mentioned on the three right turns podcast like this shit happens pretty regularly like there's always a racial flare-up in america um this just happens to be one of the biggest ones in like five years um, yeah, it and was, it's not even about. Serious. It's also not even really about that. It has nothing to do with like police brutality. It does have a lot to do about systemic, uh, you know, racism. Yeah. The fact that like you know why why it was Amer- you know African Americans barely out of single digits represented in our population, but they were like thirty five plus percent of our fighting force. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and the other sixty percent were poor white kids. Uh, my dad included, you know, yeah. poor fucking farmer, poor 18 year old farmer from Waverly enlisting just to get the hell out of his hometown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, I think that's, there's a lot of stuff uh, of, of the moment. And I think also, you know, there's an appetite for kind of with the Ken Burns documentary to kind of like get a, a 360 degree look at the Vietnam war, you know, like America's finally ready to come to the to grips with this, like uh, historic defeat. It suffered, um, and, you know, get away from, like, the Jingo Ram- Rambo kind of crap that they directly address in this movie um, and, you know, kind of talk about it as uh, uh, with a little bit of distance to it.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, hopefully, you know, one of the other things they talk about in this movie is uh, money as it relates to, to black oppression. Um, mm. And, you know, to a larger degree, a lot of society's ills... Um, and I think we're experiencing that currently where where the you know wealth uh, gap is becoming larger and larger, um, not just in, you know, black communities, but also in uh, American communities, period. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully we, you know, we don't take our eye off of either of those balls because they're both important. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know what's going to happen with those. Do, do you think. To go back to the Oscars thing, do you think. Um this virus might actually change permanently the awards requirements because this has been kind of under the surface just bubbling uh, for the last couple of years like you look back at Roma last last year 2018 I can't yeah. remember it was a while ago um, right. and that was a huge uh, a, a huge deal because they only did limited release in theaters just to get eligible for awards and then Netflix, mm-hmm. um, you know, kept it on their platform mostly.
0: I mean, maybe especially if like film becomes like this very niche thing, to where it's like you know, if like all the big metroplexes closed down are no longer sustainable because, um, yeah, and it's more of a boutiquey kind of thing, like uh, like uh, it's more of a, a explicitly art house kind of film release. I yeah, it seems like it would because I, I know there's a lot of the Hollywood old guard that are really. Got their back stiff about this digital release shit. It's like, nah, I need you know, there's a, there's a probably reason why you have to air at a particular place in LA County to be uh, considered eligible for it. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right. Maybe to the extent that that would would have been a ten or 15, 20 year process normally. That if you know you have to you know if AMC and Cinemark go bankrupt in the next three years. Uh, and all you got left is like all Alamo draft houses and like places like the Esquire here in in town, you know. Then can they like like the Oscars either have to give on that or risk becoming even more elitist and irrelevant than they already are? Yeah, um, and they're sensitive to that because like you know. The reason they, like, uh, kept expanding the eligibility to, like, you know, it's, like, uh, from, like, five or six pictures to 12 is because they wanted to get stuff like Batman and the Marvel shit and stuff in there because they were becoming culturally irrelevant. Like, less and less people were watching the films winning Oscars, and they were making less and less money. So, it's like, oh, well, we need to get some popular films in there so that we don't get to be seen as this elitist, out-of-touch institution. So... Yeah, I think and, you're right. Like I could I, I maybe don't want that... the
1: theater experience to go away entirely. Yeah, but I definitely don't. I try not to overvalue it. I, I think like it's it's a a luxury of of film viewing, but it's not a necessity. In my opinion. I mean,
0: kind of like drive-in theaters, right? Um, You yeah. know, we're fortunate enough to live in the Midwest, where is one of the last bastions of drive-in. And it's a wonderful experience, if you've never done it before. It's a unique movie theater experience that you, you can't get at your home, you can't get in a movie, you know, going into the movie theater. Um, but, like, cinema will survive the death of the drive-in, as it largely has, so i i agree i i, I and and uh, yeah i I don't know if it's going to change within the next year or two but like you know if you do it from the 93rd oscars why can't you do it from the 94th and 95th
1: now it, it strikes know? me as like i come from a video game background um yeah on on media consumption stuff primarily and and i i look at it as like would you exclude a game from getting awards if it wasn't released on a physical disc it seems that seems asinine, right? That seems like, right. what are you trying to say? This is not a video game because it wasn't released on a CD. What about all the floppy disks that were released before? I mean, you're yeah. telling me 50 years from now, when nobody even knows what a DVD or Blu-ray is, yeah. we're gonna somehow discount every single game released? What?
0: Yeah. What is, is it The art that like? you're judging or the medium? I thought the same when you were saying that. I'm like, also like books are like books not eligible for awards if they only come out on Kindle, right? I yeah. wouldn't surprise me, because again, there's a lot of shit is like protectionist and a little bit elitist, too. But or like, like a
1: hardcover versus softcover, right? Like, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, this is a trade paper bag. It's not eligible. Get in the right. comic book. Get in the comic book lane, you, you fucking chump. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. Isn't it like uh, like Spielberg and Scors- Scorsese are the big... Uh, yeah, um, they're all
1: 150 years old. Yeah. They're yeah, as old as the, the cinema itself. <laughs> yeah
0: all the old guys that you know physically splice grew up splicing film and doing things quick and dirty i don't like this I, I digital get, shit i get
1: it like that's a romantic thing right like yeah you know, roger ebert and
0: roger ebert in the twilight of his life campaigned hard against digital projection because 35 uh, yeah 35 millimeter was superior for a long time but you know what That's a losing man's bet because, like, you know, uh, you'll eventually get a screen that can has uh, a projector that has more pixels than a fucking 35 millimeter film stock. You Mm -hmm. just will. It's the way technology works. So, like, it's one thing to be like, well, I don't want a shitty 1080p projector 50 foot wide but to say that like ah d- digital projection is never going to be better than film it's just yeah. dumb it, it's is dumb. is a
1: digital projector better than a film that's been run 100 times that's, that's my a question.
0: damn good question yeah. like he's judging pristine copies screen for the press yeah. that have never gone through have never been threaded through a projector versus like 3 months into its release yeah. um and the and you, you throw that in it's the it's, it's no question so yeah I think I think technology will will march on, and they'll have to mm-hmm. either be irrelevant or relax some of those requirements. Yeah. Well, that's that's our film uh, review of the week. Uh, it's it's nice because if you got Netflix, uh, you can watch it right now. Um, you, so you you might have been surprised that we came back with the Five Bloods because we we announced last week we were going to do Fruitvale Station because um, it you know highly relevant, but you know uh, Spike Lee releases a film that's getting 95% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes three days ago. Uh, Forgive us for calling an audible and and stopping what we're doing and covering that. But next week, we'll be back to Fruitvale uh, Station. um, And uh, we're going to be talking about that. And uh, uh, I hope you join us back next week uh, for that discussion. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See you later.